Future Welcome to Psychic Visions Podcast. This is your host, Jason Zook. And this is Megan Kane. We're in the midst of a spiritual revolution. Our mission is to share and explore mysteries of the paranormal universe with our guests and you, our listeners, as we discuss healing, spirituality, life after death, and more. Psychic Visions Podcast, more than meets the eye. Megan, I'm so excited that we get a chance to talk to Robert Riappel today. I feel that we're going to have some really great topics to talk about regarding spirituality, entrepreneurial stuff, and just look at the bigger picture of life. And I wanted to see what your thoughts were. Definitely. I am so excited to bring him on. He's such an inspirational person, and I just want him to share his story with the world and with all of our listeners, because everyone, I think, is going to learn something from the show today, and they're really going to be able to take something with them to present in their own life to make their own life better. Without further ado, let's bring him on. Welcome, Welcome Robert. Show, Robert. Yes. <laughs> hey, glad to be here. And remember, no fun today. This is all going to be very serial. Serious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very serious. Yes. We are two very serious people. No. <laughs> and just in terms of our introduction to our audience, Robert, I uh, you've had some pretty very unique experiences in your life. I wanted to ask you if you could share with our audience how you went about writing your first book and what steps that experience had in terms of motivating you to pursue your current path. Yeah. You know, it's funny is because as we were talking about before hitting record, you brought up Mark Victor Hansen, who was a big inspiration for me, Chicken Soup for the Souls, um, became good friends with him, stay in contact with him. And I remember that first event where I'm a student and, or actually I'm not a student, I'm a volunteer helping out and I'm in charge of helping take care of him. And the one thing that really impressed me about him above everything else this one took it to another level is even though we had to rush him to the airport, as soon as he was off stage, he stood there and talked to every single person or at least said hi or shook their hands. And we had a huge lineup of a couple hundred people. And it was like, yeah, I know I got to go, but they're taking their time to be here and thank me. I'm not going to rush out on them. And he took the time to quickly say thank you all the way down the line. And I remember standing back going, that's amazing because I had experienced a few other trainers. I was like, oh, don't come near me. I'm on the stage. Right. That's where you see me. So that when he, I had the time with behind at the stage, I talk about my first book where I'm sitting there and I get 45 minutes one-on-one -on -one time with him and I see how down to earth he is. And I bounced my book title off of him and he shut me down because, <laughs> and I didn't take it personally. I'm like, Hey Mark, I got you here. Do you mind if I bounce my title off you? And he goes, no. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I didn't take it personally and we're doing other stuff. And then a little while later he goes, so what's your book title? And I'm like, but I oh, thought you said, <laughs> he said, no, you asked the wrong question. You said, could I bounce the title off of you? Which now that makes me want to put an opinion in. He said, the question you should be asking is, here's my title. Would you pay $20 for that? And that was one of those. And I'm going to go ambidextrous for you, Megan. <laughs> those one-handed claps that came from both sides. Yeah. And it was like, wow. And my original title, I was so attached to it. And he even then suggested it might be a good chapter title. So all of a sudden, next thing you know, that becomes the last chapter in my book. And so it ended up after that journey. And the silly thing is, back in 2002, do you think I actually know what I wanted to write in my book? <laughs> no. <laughs> Something just told me, and it's funny because it was someone on stage that said, hey, you need to write a book. And I went, that sounds like a good idea. I'd love to do that. And I started internalizing it. And it felt right. Because this is also the time I started really trusting in my own intuition. Because I'll tell you, before 2000, I was such a blueprint in the box, don't think outside the box person. 
That's how I was raised. And so as I started to trust my intuition, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to write a book. And it's, that's why it still took 15 years before I finished writing the book and actually launching it. So it was a, a little bit of a long journey. <laughs> Sometimes we get those pushes or we get those downloads from our guides or from our higher self or wherever it may come from. And we deny it for a little bit. You're supposed to be doing something. You're supposed to be putting something yeah. out there in the world, but you almost like second guess yourself or am I doing this right? Is my title right? Second but, guess, third guess, fourth guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Going on and on and 15 years later. Yeah. <laughs> and you talk <laughs> you because it. one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you two is because I did not believe in any kind of the any kind of psychic energy or anything like that. But yet today, and here's where why I call it was a 15-year pro- procrastination right. Because I'd finally sit there and I'd open up my laptop, I'd go right down, and I knew what I wanted to say, but before I could get it down on the keyboards, it was gone. Because when you're very present, that's when the downloads come, the direct connection. Definitely. And that's when the brilliance happens. And I go for a walk. That's why I go for walks. Because when I go for a walk, I get so present and I keep my phone on me all the time. So if something hits me, I don't try to remember. I just stop, take on my notepad. And my biggest used app on my phone is my notepad or yes. voice recorder. Because I, I learned to take the pressure off myself to have to remember. Because mm-hmm. you know how it goes. 10 seconds later, you're like, what the hell was I going <laughs> So you're a, so you're a, a walking, like an active meditator. Cause I tell a lot of like my clients, if you can't sit still and you can't like do the traditional meditation, go for a walk, yeah. do that. And you're in that repetitive walking. You have that time to really let those thoughts process the ones that you don't need. And then those important thoughts can really like settle in. And it's, you have these epiphanies on these walks. That's exactly it. And it started with me doing walks because I went through two back surgeries. And so all of a sudden walking became my way. And even today, if my back starts getting a little tight, my wife will go for a walk. Because then I start off and I get into a high speed walk. And the moment I'm up to walking fast, all of a sudden I just go clear. And that's when the brilliance, and I'll never own it. it. That is not me. I'm just opening the space and I'm there. But it really started that transition back in 2002 when one of my mentors brought his Zen master from Mount Shasta, California up to teach us. And she offered a 40 Zen retreat. And again, I'm still a little on the, I don't know if I do this, but my wife, we're going. And I'll tell you, 33 years of marriage, I realized the most important part of a, a, an arrangement in marriage is two words. Yes, dear. <laughs> so she said she wanted to go. And in the, now picture this. Jason's probably going to believe this easier, but Megan, you probably find this hard to believe, but picture me in complete silence for four days. Whoa. Four days. I, don't I can do that. It. I don't I believe do that. it. <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> I can do it. I can My wife it. was in bliss. My wife was in bliss. But we were in this beautiful resort in the mountains in British Columbia in Canada. Wow. And in the winter, it's a ski resort, heli skiing. Like picture, 10 helicopters come up over the horizon in the morning, land on the helicopter pads, and all day long, they're shuttling skeeters up. So a five-star resort, summertime is dead. So we had the resort to ourselves. And when she came up, the five-star chefs, she said to him, we're going to have a vegetarian menu. And they said, okay, we'll ask, add some stuff to the menu. And she goes, No. The whole menu will be five will be vegetarian and we're going to have vegan. And what was cool about these chefs, instead of going into their ego, they said, let's see how good we can make this food. And I'll tell you, I would eat vegetarian if I knew I could eat that well every day. They blew her away. She's like, I need to bring my monks up here to learn how to cook because this food is amazing. So we're doing this four days of silence and meditating and I'm struggling in the postures and all that. And I had a question keep coming in my head. And that night we could do a Q&A session with her. And I didn't have the courage at that time to ask the question. 
But one of the other women, she said, Sherry, I've got a question. She goes, here in this environment, it's so much easier to meditate, do the 20 minutes at a time and all that. She goes, but when I go home, I got kids. I got a business. I got a things I got to do. I can't sit there for 20 minutes and go, oh, and meditate. She goes, what do I do? And Sherry's answer changed my life. She said, meditation is you're doing where you're absolutely present with it. You're meditating. So as an example, I'm here with you two right now. Am I aware of everything else that's going on? Yes. But because I'm here present with you, I'm actually meditating. So my goal now is how much can I actually meditate in a day? And this has really helped with relationships because I can be on the other side of the world doing trainings. Come off the stage after 12, 13 hours on stage, tired as can be. But my wife and I have an agreement that we get on FaceTime for at least five minutes. And even though it's like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, my time, she five minutes, and we're so present with each other, that quality of time. And we drift. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. But we have a, instead of getting upset at each other, we simply will look. And if we see the other person drifting, we just simply say, come back to me. And that's a signal to say, hey, I see your mind somewhere else. And so every day with my students, with my audiences, in my day-to-day, with my animals, with my wife, with family, I'm practicing how present can I be. So I meditate constantly because I don't want to be the person that I'm here, but my mind's a thousand miles away, if that makes sense. Definitely. I love that. Come back to me. I'm going to have to use that with my husband. (laughs) Actually, he'll have to use that on me. I'm the one who's, "Ah, (laughs) where'd she go? So that's awesome. I love that. I was going to ask you, because I know you have a lot of references in your stories and you talk about your wife before you met each other. Did you feel like you had a soul connection with one another, like a special soul relationship? I don't want to see if you can talk about that to to our audience, because I believe heavily in that myself. Like most men, I'm pretty clueless. I shouldn't generalize all men, but I was clueless. My wife and I have known each other since we were 13. And even though I knew her, I didn't notice her. And for two years, she tried to get my attention. And so it came to a point when we were 16, all of a sudden she's that's it. She saw me flirting with another girl. She's like, okay, dude, I'm going to get your attention. And we were playing touch football and I'm the quarterback and I'm, I'm going for a touchdown. I'm running my butt off. I'm about to get a touchdown. And all of a sudden she tackles my ass to the ground. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, who the tackled me? This is touch football. Until I okay. turn around and I see it was a girl and I'm like, oh, in my <laughs> mind, I think it went, if she can tackle me, she's got to be awesome. And we started dating the next day. And three years later at 19, we got married. Wow. Wow. You don't hear those stories often. No. That's amazing. That's definitely a soulmate. <laughs> yeah. And one month from today of this recording, one month from today is our 33rd wedding anniversary. Wow. Happy early anniversary. And that's a synchronistic number too. So that's awesome. I love that. Oh, that's... Love threes, sixes, and nines. So she pretty much has been your companion through all of these experiences and yep. seen you go through the transformation, because you had said earlier, you grew up almost atheist because your parents were both raised in such religious families before the recording, you had said that. So yeah. can you explain us a little bit about that, like your spiritual upbringing and then how it yeah. transformed into what it is now? Yeah. My, my mom, she young at 18, she got pregnant and then she had my sister and then my dad met her and six weeks later they got married. And both families were not happy at all because he's second oldest of 10 kids in a Catholic family. 
My mm. mom was one of eight in a Protestant family and basically got um, disowned by both families. So they moved us to a whole different province. And that's where I was born. And all of a sudden coming up, it, we were made to go to church until we were 10. At 10, it then was our choice if we wanted to or not. And I always looked at my grandmother as a Bible thumper. Because like every time we were there, it was like, have you been saved? And all this. And I just, years later, I realized that was all me. That was absolutely all me because I kept looking at it as, what's with this? What These families didn't like our family because of a choice they made. So basically, screw them. And that's kind of the energy that our whole family had. But then as I started to learn about me and to really do that deep dive and start unblocking the crap that I had held on to, I started having some of the most amazing conversations with my grandmother. Because all of a sudden, we was hearing her. And I had always, I realized I always believed in a higher power. I always believed in God. And I did realize I'm very spiritual, and especially today, because I've traveled all over the world, and I've experienced all these different religions. And I look for the commonalities. I look for the beauty mm-hmm. in them all. And that's what I love. And so that's the 22, 23, no, actually about 28 to really come into the fact that, you know what? I do believe in God and I'm very spiritual and I let the other crap go. That's amazing. I went through something similar. I, my dad was from a Catholic family. My mom was from a Baptist family. I went to church, same thing till eight or nine, 10, and then just stopped going. And from there I had to find my own way. And I certainly did, but so that's interesting because a lot of people, I find that when I found spirituality myself is when my life really started unfolding and the good things started happening. I stopped focusing on the negative or bad things happening to me and focusing on what <laughs> positive I can bring from that. And that's really what spirituality is for me. It's like that positive, it's that relationship with my higher self and that positive thinking yes. and also listening for that stuff and being able to identify what's, what is like your monkey mind, what is overthinking, what's anxiety, what's those negative thoughts that are there to antagonize you creeping in. And what are the real, what is the reality of what's going on? What can you really, what can you compartmentalize and really take from the experience and then grow from that? And I feel like you've taken all of these experiences and really share all the different facets of Robert, because he is, you have so much going on. You have so many cool stories and you've come such a long way. So I'm just curious, what is the most profound experience, spiritual experience that you've had that was like, mm. whoa, like your most woo-woo experience as you would put it, or your most yeah. like out there, like, okay, <laughs> this is it. I'm not atheist anymore. This is it. This is where yeah. my life changed for the better. Can you, do you have a moment like that? Oh, n- no, not <laughs> at all. Um, you know, when I started doing the, in 2001, when, when my wife and I were first introduced to personal development, a whole new concept coming from, again, families that are really close down to that, they even to the point are like, did you guys join a cult? What's going on here? And, and when we'd gone from over $150,000 in debt to retiring financially free in a nine-month period because we started doing the work and we started taking action. And so we're like, if a cult is something that makes you happy, financially doing well and following your passions, yeah, I'm in a cult then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And we had done a, an amazing five-day camp and it was actually, we were at this camp during 9-11. Wow. And I'm Canadian. Like when 9-11 went down, you were there? When it went down, yeah. Wow. And back then, cell oh phones aren't what they are today. No. We didn't even know what had happened. And it was oh, the first time goodness. we had 
a bunch of Americans in this kind of a camp with across the border. We were in, in British Columbia. And also mm -hmm. that night, it wasn't until that night that someone got a call from a family member that worried about them. And did you hear what's going on? And in that moment, it, like the world changed for us as well. And in that camp, I met an amazing man who he was offering two other programs. And his one program that he was offering, my wife and I are like, no, we're not doing it because we can't go together. Because his one rule was you can't be at the program with anybody that you know, because it's going to be a deep dive into who you are, who you truly are at the roots. And my wife and I have always done everything together. Mm -hmm. We do work together. We play together. We just, we, that's us, right? So we're like, Your best friends. No. Yeah. We're like, hell no, we're not going. But we signed up for his other program, which was about the masculine and the feminine, how they dance together. And that, when we were at his training and it changed our lives because it took our great relationship and took it a whole new level because now we understood how and why we interacted the way we did. As an example, my wife, being the youngest of five, raised by a single mother, her mother taught her kids, especially two daughters, you don't rely on a man. And so when my wife and I got together, even though her core is feminine, she was always in her masculine, which then in the relationship put me automatically into my feminine. And so we were both out of core. And even though we made it work, it just wasn't right where it could be, if that makes sense. And so when we learned how to gift each other back into our cores, all of a sudden our relationship took on an even deeper meaning to it. And at the end of it, he said, and here's my other program. And at that point, it was like, dang, dude, if you can do this with us in five, three days, we're going to the other program. So my wife went to the one in BC and I went to the one in Ontario. And in that three days, we did so very deep dyads, 11 45-minute dyads a day where you're asking one question, tell me who you are. And you go through a processing that comes up for you. Then you tend to directly experience what is that. And then you express it. Even if it's, I'm pissed off that I'm sitting here. Why are we doing And you just need to vent it. Whatever comes up for you in the moment. And 45 minutes, you're back and forth 11 times a day. And all of a sudden, I thought I had what was called an enlightenment. And I went up to him because all of a sudden I'm like, Ooh, that was amazing. I just got enlightenment. And he sits at the end and I go up to him and he's like, oh, tell me what's going on. And I just went into this whole thing about how I truly, for me, for the first time, really, I really experienced the depth of the love my wife has for me. I just got it at such a level. And he's listening to me quietly. And then he goes and shakes his head, no. And I got pissed because in my mind, what the, you mean I'm not? This is, and he said, that's not it. And he sent me back. Later, I realized that was called a direct experience. When I really got to truly directly experience her actual love for me, even on a deeper level than I'd ever got, it just was in every cell of my being. And it was a day and a half later, I ended up going through an enlightenment in which was all of a sudden it was me realizing who I was because I was a people pleaser. Like you talk about Olympic sport, gold medalist right here. <laughs> <laughs> and when all of a sudden I realized this is me, whether you like me or you don't, this is me. And all of a sudden when I got, that's where my life totally went in a whole different direction because I quit thinking I had to please everybody. And all of a sudden the energy I had, all of a sudden the people that were I was able to release out of my life because they wanted me to be a certain way. And then more importantly, because I opened that space, the phenomenal people that have been attracted into my life that love me and like me for who I am, not who I could be or should be. And what a difference mm -hmm. in my life. Wow. Yeah. That's because a lot of us grow up wanting that to be what everybody else wants us to be or what the world wants to view us as, or the, the perfect life, the white picket fence or whatever it is, our parents, yeah. or maybe what our parents 
want us to be or want maybe our parents want us to be like them in my case. And then finding your true self because that's what it is. It's releasing what you think, what the shell, what you think other people want you to be. And then realize going deep and saying, oh, this is who I truly am and take it or leave it. I'm not going to pretend anymore. I'm not going to dim my light for anybody (laughs) else or to fit your mold. Well, and that's why Jason and I are aerodynamics or like (laughs) best haircuts in the house. (laughs) Except for you, Megan, you got the better one. No, you guys are the sexy Mr. Cleans (laughs) giving him a run for his money. All right. That's, I just, I think that's so inspiring and you've had, and you've, so you've done these retreats. So have you, I see you've gone on these Zen retreats and you've done three-day enlightenment courses. Now with all your experience, have you hosted your own retreats or have you thought about doing that in the future with everything that you've learned? Oh, absolutely. And for the first 18 years as a trainer, I was contracting out and doing other people's work and then COVID changed that, of course. Mm-hmm. And I now work with an amazing, another aerodynamic dude, Jason, who I want <laughs> you guys to have on your podcast. Um, oh, a him. really good friend of mine, we've trained for 15 years together in doing camps around the world, five-day high experience camps. And we're now creating our own material. And we actually, we are just finishing creating a five-day camp that we're doing for someone where we'll be in August in New York mm-hmm. teaching it. And because one of my specialties too, from all this experience is I'm a breakthrough expert. Meaning if you can think of the breakthrough, I put thousands of people across hot coals, I re- bending rebar with your throat, breaking arrows with your throat, walking on oh. glass, whatever you want to do. I've put people across those and I've done those. And so we're having just a blast creating and because we're in such a creation mode, when inspiration comes through, because we get into the flow state, which you guys understand so well, when you just clear things up and all of a sudden you're in that flow, what we've been creating is phenomenal. And so we wanted to test it out. And we actually decided to do, take the data from the five-day camp and do a three-day, three-day virtual event. And we had 30 people from nine countries on it with the intention, we'll do this once, but just to prove the, our theory. And it was using the one process of dyads as part of it, doing a deep dive and helping people realize who they are. And so when we did this for the three days, all of a sudden, every single one of the participants are like, we're not letting you guys just do this once. You (laughs) need to do this. People need this in the world. And so we're being blessed now where we're creating courses for other people to help them. And so we learn their, who their tribe is. We design things specifically for them and we can either go in and teach it or not. And we're just having a blast doing it and doing virtual. That's amazing. So you definitely followed your calling because <laughs> I didn't even know that I was just picking that up. So I was like, <laughs> I saw you doing that. So I was like, oh, I see you doing it. So for our listeners, so I know you're going to have many courses throughout the year, I assume that if they want to do it in person with you or do something with you, the in-person five-day or the three-day virtual, can you get into a little bit more detail of what the course entails? And honestly, it's selfish. I just personally want to know. I, <laughs> I want to go walk across coals. Like, I love that kind yeah. of stuff. Like I was, it's my jam. <laughs> I started laughing when you were talking about, it cause I saw Megan's response and I'm already thinking we communicate telepathically a little bit uh, a yeah, lot. Yeah. And yeah. I already saw her thinking in her mind, like, yeah, we're going to have to look into this. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot well, of things and, and, that you, you said know, it, that, that just are like hitting home with me, like a lot of synchronicities in my life that you've had in your life. And I haven't interrupted every time where I've been like, Ooh, me, Ooh, me. I'm I get it. I'm there. I, I I see you because I can so relate. And I have a lot of similar experiences where life is just flourished when you tap in and when you surrender, so to speak, to the to your higher self and, and you, what you're supposed you, to be doing. You just hit it. And you hit it right on the head. It's about the surrendering. 
because being willing to say, you know, it, what's the biggest cosmic joke out there? Thinking you have any kind of control in, in yes. the world. When you make and, God and plans, so, God laughs or whatever. That's what oh, they yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a friend, and I think I mentioned to you, Jason, I call him the quantum monk yeah. because he was actually a monk for eight years. He did over 15,000 hours of meditation, but he also studies quantum physics. So he can tell you all about spirituality, and then he backs it up with the science behind it and all that. And one of his quotes, that I, that's probably my favorite of his, is he said this. He said, instead of being willing to live life, courageously allow life to live you. Wow. I love that. That's profound. Yeah. Wow. It yeah. is. It's the experience. It's like, you don't take yeah. it too seriously. Enjoy the ride. That's it. And, and going back to your question is, here's the thing is I had mentioned when I was on Jason's show, we do have a gift for your listeners for taking their valuable time, which is they're going to be able to get a copy of the digital copy of my book. They're going to be able to download it. And Jason, we've added something since then because I'm in the give back phase of my life right now. Anybody that downloads my book, they all are also able to book in a 20 minute strategy session, one-on-one -on -one with me. And I don't do any selling on it. All I do is they fill out a questionnaire before our call. So when I'm on the 20 minutes, I just have 20 minutes. And this is where I learned to tap into me trusting what comes through me. Because I used to be the biggest doubter. Oh, that doesn't make, that's not coming. But now in the moment, I don't ever edit my thinking. If something comes through me, okay. I say it as it is. And I, that's one of the reasons on stage, one of the things I'm known for is I can have a thousand, two thousand people in front of me. Someone stands up and shares something and all of a sudden something comes through me. And I learned because I, all the different cultures, I set a context. The first time it comes up, I'll say to the audience, I say to the person I'm talking to, I say, I'm going to ask you a question. And the question is, do you want to play? But here's what I mean. And I explain how sometimes stuff comes through me. And so if something comes up, I'm going to ask you if you want to play. If you say yes, I'll continue. If you say no, it stops right there. No problem. But I'm going to let you know I'm not going to edit my thinking. I'm going to just tell you what came up for me. And and the people that say yes, and I've had some say no, and I honor that. And I have the audience give them a round of applause because I'm not there to push something on someone. If they're not ready, they're not ready. And the comments we keep getting is people come up to me and they're like, how did you know what was going on my, in my life? And it's because I'm practicing being that meditation of being present with them. I trust what comes through me. And if you would have told me about that 10 years earlier, 15 years earlier, I would have looked at you like, what are you talking about? That's just, that's just <laughs> that hokey stuff off to the side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when people download the book and do that, they're going to also get to find out when we do some of these programs. Because every once in a while, I'll send out an email, say, hey, we're about to do our three-day. This one's called The Links of Life. And it is going to be about how to really do a deep dive into who you are. So you see what the weak links in your life are. There's seven our links that we go through and we show how, where they're weak and how to strengthen them. And, and it's based on, get this, believe it or not, the seven deadly sins. But we took the religion out of it and we put it into the generalized life lessons. And we did this because the one group we were designing the camp for, very spiritual Catholic families. And so we didn't want to make it religious for them, even though they would have liked it. But so we made it links of life and modeling it on the, and the people have just been responding like crazy to it. That's really oh, yeah. genius. It's absolutely genius. Because with a title like that, you're going to get people from all walks of life. You're going to get the super hardcore Christians. You're going to get the kind of people that are like sacrilegious, little funny. Let's see what this is about. And you're going to get the, the people that are like scared. They're like, oh, like what's this? You're going to have, and then with all that, you're reaching all these different types of people 
that and then bringing them all to this one concept and it's opening them up to a different way of thinking and a different way of receiving the information. Cause I know when I was the same way, I was in denial for a while when I was receiving information until I had people around me who were readers. Like I would hear things pop in my head that I wouldn't repeat. And then someone in front of me would say it like channeling my grandmother or someone yeah. like, Oh my God, it's not yeah. who was repeating stuff in my head. Cause I think a lot of the times where I would have these amazing thoughts and ideas, it's actually being guided to me. And then when I act on it, something really beautiful happens. And yeah, while we're on the subject, cause you are like, you have accomplished a lot. You've gone from debt to being super financially stable with even more to share with people. And you've, you have a successful marriage. Like you really are. And those are two things that really can make or break someone having a really healthy yeah. partnership or relationship that helps you through the ups and downs and helps you recognize the things about yourself that you need to see, even the shadow sides of yourself, they can bring up comfortably with you. Oh. And then you've also got that financial freedom. We're not so comfortably. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you've also got this financial freedom and now you're able to share. I'm curious if you've ever done or would do this is really off topic, but would you ever do a marriage class? Like with your wife, would you ever do something? Cause I know you said you like to work with her because I see you doing something like that and like a retreat and how you guys get through things. Can you share a little bit about that? Cause I'm sure the listeners at 33 years married meeting at 13, that is that's storybook. That's like the notebook. That's like adorable. Like you guys are yeah. definitely going to die holding hands. You know, like you guys yeah. are like, just like, hopefully oh. not for another 50 years. <laughs> for exactly. sure, another 50 years. That's right. I actually, it yeah. happened in my husband's family. He had two people together their whole life and they died within an hour apart in the hospital holding hands. Wow. Yeah. And, it and happens you know just like the notebook. That's how powerful it is. Yeah. It is. And I'll share with you, like even my grandmother, because my mom, who was a twin, she also got bladder cancer. And within a year of being diagnosed, she passed away. And her twin brother, who had no health issues, all of a sudden, a year later, he was gone with the exact same cancer. And my grandmother, she had said, she was so distraught about it and very powerful woman in her, just her faith and her mindset and that. She said, I want one more family reunion. And and so we had it in August of that, the year we had it. And basically three weeks later, she said, okay, I'm ready. And she transitioned. And it was just like, she had set her mind and she was healthy and great at the reunion. That's all she wanted with one more reunion. Cause we, every few years, the family has a big family reunion. It was, it was cool that way. But back to your question, um, I'm laughing my butt off because when <laughs> I realized I want to be a trainer, one of my wife's passions is her passion is to support me. And so as I became a trainer, she became a logistics person because she's definitely the quiet behind the scenes. As she says, I speak enough for both of us. <laughs> so <laughs> she, and, but yet she's gone through the same trainings to learn how to do what's called accelerated learning, how to en engage the audience and stuff. And I've never pressured her. I've, she is phenomenal behind the scenes, working with up to 60 volunteers at a time, putting on events for 2,500, 3,000 people. She's in her zone doing that. And it was a number of years ago where they took one of the courses that we were already teaching and they changed it into a new course. And on the Sunday, they did what was called the seven pillars of relationships. And all the other trainers that were training it in throughout North America, their wives would join them for that piece on the Sunday morning. And so I had no attachment. I was about to teach one in my, in Toronto, in, in Ontario. And I asked my wife, I said, you're going to be on the trip with me. I said, I think it would be powerful to have you up beside me. And she's, no, and I, I let it go. I like, I'm good with that. And because I didn't press it, she got a little more curious 
and because she watched some of the recordings of the other trainers doing it with their wives. She goes, but I don't know what to say. And I said, honey, you will when you're there. I said, I'll cue it up and you just give your thoughts. And because I do talk about my wife a lot on the stage, and Jason, remind me to tell you guys <laughs> later why I, one of the reasons I do that. And she just agreed to do it with me. And I'll tell you, those three hours have to be some of the most blessed I've ever felt on stage. Because the audience who knows my wife from all the stories, and a lot of people never believe she was real, <laughs> all of a sudden they're like looking at her like, you actually are the person that can handle this guy. <laughs> Watched her <That's> so awesome. <laughs> eloquently do it on the mm -hmm. stage. And I, when we went to the break, my greatest joy was no one came rushing up to me to talk. They all surrounded my wife because they just wanted to talk to her because she had inspired them so much. And it was a month later that I'm in my hometown at the time, Calgary, Alberta, and we're about to teach it again. And my wife got sick. She wasn't feeling well. And I said, not a problem, honey. I got it. And so I, I was, had a room at the hotel to change, but I was going home at night. And so Sunday morning I left and I said, look, I love you. And she goes, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it's no, honey, you get better. And I went to the event. I got changed, went up to the room, got dressed, got ready. And it's getting ready because it's one of the first processes in the morning is doing that. And I started talking about it. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to like, last time I did this, my wife was with me. And I want to let you know that unfortunately she's not going to be here. And all of a sudden over the speakers, you hear, yes, I am. She had snuck into the hotel had the staff, she wasn't feeling good, but she wasn't going to let me do the event without her. And I just, I'm bawling like crazy on the stage as she's coming Beautiful. up. And again, the audience just so took to her. So in the future, are, is it possible we might do something together again? If it's meant to be, it will happen. Yeah. I get an emphatic yes on that, by the way. Yeah, I'm getting yes. I got that. Some, sound of, here. some of the random questions you'll get from me is I'll see images in my mind of you doing things, yeah. I'll get them too, and then we'll like telepathically like do them back and forth. Yeah. And then I'll, so well, I I'll can definitely you, see because it's inspiration. It would you yeah. would help so many people, and you can yeah. see the love. I can feel the love that you have for each other, and it's so inspiring. It's literally your two souls split in half, and you can literally yeah. feel that energy of how supportive and how much you genuinely love each other. And that's amazing. And that makes an amazing relationship, partnership, and example for a lot of people no. because. Um, yeah, but you're not supposed to make me cry. <laughs> no. But it's, that's, you made me cry. It's, it's, it's a good cry. Yes. Because <laughs> so, I feel the same I way. Got... I know how, I know that feeling of love. I'm so lucky to have experienced it myself. And I definitely know that my husband is my soulmate. And it is, mm -hmm. it's been, an amazing learning lesson with him for sure. He's taught me so much about myself. And, and I want people to understand it's not me. always, it's not always whipped cream and happy <laughs> times. They're, one nice. of our commitments to each other is we don't quit. Mm -hmm. We, we have rough patches like every relationship does, yes. but because mm -hmm. we won't give up on each other. And it reminds me of a great meme I saw on Facebook a few years ago that summed it all up. And was a grandmother and her granddaughter in rocking chairs on the front porch. And the little girl says, Grandma, how's it that you and Grandpa have been together for so long? And the grandmother said, because in our age, we never, we don't quit. We don't give up. We find a way to get through. And there's, or there's relationships that are not meant to be. But, and it's just my experience. I see a lot that people give up too easily.
and it's worth the fight. It's worth, Mm -hmm. it's worth putting the work in. That's all I'm going to say. I need to add to what we're talking about because I thought back because I I had the benefit of knowing you before from a prior interview with you. And I told you this before we did our interview today, how inspired I was last summer when you discussed how your schedule got busy as a trainer and that you and your wife agreed that you would pre-book your wife on your calendar before you filled anything else in around it. And I wanted to have you describe that just for our audience here, because yeah, that really right. struck me pretty profoundly. And I use your example when I talk to anyone who talks about how they're too busy for somebody, my mom, because of you, I booked my mom ahead of time. Anything I do oh, nice. on a weekly basis, I'll put her in. So she can't say that I don't make the time for her. And I'd like to see if you could share that with our audience. <laughs> It comes back to look at when people talk about wealth. They say the number one wealth rule, pay yourself first. One of the greatest commodities you have is your time. So why wouldn't you pay yourself with your time first? Instead of waiting to see what I have left over, then that's when my family gets it. That's when I get time. No. So on our calendar, before we book anything else, we call it our pamper pieces or our balance pieces. We'll book in time for each other, time for ourselves, time for family, time for fitness, to to mm-hmm. for health and all that because once it's on the calendar first now we can put the other things in place now we can sit there and say okay i've got this meeting or i've got that and doesn't mean it never gets changed we have some rules around that something can only ever get put it on <laughs> put it on first and if we can change it once and the rule is if you end up wanting to change something you put on more than once then you've got to really look is it important or is it because if it's that easy to keep pushing. Obviously, there's a reason why we're giving it permission to be changed. And it's just a habit that you create. To, and it's an agreement, plain and simple. Look, Jason, I believe you're a lawyer, right? It's a binding agreement <laughs> Definitely. that we have in place. Yeah. I love that story. I love your anecdote about that. As I said, one of the things I love the best about pod, having a podcast with Megan and having amazing people like you come on the show is being inspired and learning from your experiences. And I think you sharing these details is going to inspire our audience because of everything that we're talking about is so interconnected and synchronistic. Mm-hmm. And I just think it borders on like common sense to say to each other, yeah, if I love you and you're my life partner, I want to make you my number one priority before I even fill in my work and anything else. And that's a great way to look at things. Absolutely. And it's so easy. And it's just conditioning that we get thinking that other things are important. And look, life happens, stress happens. And you don't, as we talked about earlier, you don't have necessarily control of what happens in your life. The one thing and the only thing you have control on is how you react or respond to what's happening in your life. And you can either sit there and get upset and pissed off, go into the victim role, or you can say, okay, it didn't work. What am I going to do about it? Or how can I adjust it? Or what can I do different? And that's where every day in my life, I'm always coming from that curious stage of why did this happen? So that once I'm in curiosity, I can learn from it and then make decisions based on that instead of making decisions based on emotion of being upset or pissed off at someone or whatever it is. And taking that time to just... Yes, breathe. (laughs) Yeah, breathing is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I want to ask you about your podcast, if you could share that with us, just what motivated you to create it and describe your goals with it. I haven't recorded an episode in over three years. Okay. And what it was is is Mm -hmm. really... I did it for more of a, let's give you the whole thing. As I'm traveling around the world, I could be sitting in a hotel in Bangkok or in Poland and I've got time. So remember what I said about my phone. I'm always keeping it with me and writing down things that come up. 
So all of a sudden, things would download, I, and I'd, so I'd brain dump them onto my phone. So I'd be maybe sitting in the hotel getting ready for an event, and I would say, I wrote these things down for a reason, and I'd just turn on my computer, and I'd take 5, 10, 15 minutes and talk about it. So out of the 103, or four epi- 103 episodes I did, only four of them were actually interviews. The rest were just me saying, here was, here, I'm in Bangkok today, here's what's coming up for me. Or I'm in Bangalore, India, here's what's coming up for me. And one of the reasons I did it was because I didn't want to forget it. Because remember, gone. So because I had a note to jog my memory, I would just speak, never edit, never redo, nothing. Just raw, here's the moment. And then I, because I'm also an entrepreneur, I've then turned around and since we repurpose the information. Because I've now got all these recordings. So I've actually created, I'm creating six PDF books based on all the recordings because we transcribed everything. And so from there also, it's helping write my new book that I'm working on right now. Instead of me having to remember it all, I've already got it done. Same reason why I love doing podcasts as a guest is because now I'm speaking my books into reality. Mm -hmm. And Jason, even since I, I think I did your interview, I've now gone on to do another about 130 interviews since you and I talked. And so my book is ready to put fingers to the keyboard because I'm not worried about the procrastination anymore of what did I want to say? I've said it so many times. And if I get stuck, I've got all the recordings that can remind me. I remember on this episode, I said something that really caught my attention. What was it? And I can go back and listen. Mm -hmm. And so I'm using it as the entrepreneur to really repurpose everything and get it out in ways so that people, I can help people in as many ways as possible. I love that. <laughs> I'll say this, right. as you were just saying, I got the word worldwide. I know you've traveled around the world, but I figured you have a project in the future that has worldwide in its title. Something along the lines. I'm just saying what I pick up. <laughs> yeah, we're actually, I'm in partnership with a, a few amazing people. One, the gentleman I want you guys to have on your podcast, actually two gentlemen I want you to have on your podcast. And we're taking a worldwide thing. We're already getting ready to launch it in India and in Brazil, as well as North America. And picture having an app on your phone where it's fantasy role play, but you're learning business skills. You're taking the real world business, putting it into the fantasy role play, learning all the different aspects of business, and then be ta- able to take it back into the real world. And you're, you identify whether you're a king, a queen, a bard, or a jester, and you play the, you're actually playing a game based on who your personality type in it. And it's going to be a free app and it's going to be where people actually learn real skills from playing a game. That's interesting. Cause I, I had a game just like that. I recently started looking at called ultimate business quest. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we are so excited about that app. <laughs> How do you two know about it? Dr. Fox. Uh, Dr. We, Fox. We've had him on the show and we're, I work with, I, I recommended you. I think. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. did. That, you introduced yeah. us to each other and we've been making it. Travis is amazing. Yeah. And Michelle. Both are. Yeah. And we are, I'm now on the advisory board and I'll be on the board of directors soon because, you know, I'm, I'm excited about what we're doing. And I'm actually powerful. Synchronicity. Mm-hmm. I'm actually talking to him in about two hours. Oh, <laughs> well, touchy base. You, you got to rib him for me. You got to do me a favor. And, I, and this is being recorded so you can say, I told you to do it is when you get on the call, I want you to say, I'm sorry, Dr. Fox, but we just had an interview with Robert and he said that if we interview you, he's never doing anything with us again. And we respect <laughs> him too much. He will have a blast with that. He will have okay. a blast with that. He says, he says you've been blackballed. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you, that. 
watching that man's mind, the way it works, he just is spellbinding. He is yes. such an amazing person. So I've learned a lot just from the few conversations I've had with him. And I've already taken what I've learned from him and been teaching people in my store, my metaphysical store. And nice. so, yeah, there's so much to learn from all of these. There's so many great minds out there. If you guys, the, our listeners, a lot of them are on our show. We're so excited. And these are like <laughs> forward thinking, thought provoking people who really help you take the tragedies in your life, the travesties, the things that you think have knocked you on your ass. Sorry, listeners. I said ass. Yes. And, and then you get back up and you're, you feel like you've been knocked down, but when you stand up, you're in the right place. You stand up and you're like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. And it's okay that I got knocked down. It could be, I started yeah. my business so many different times and restarted and had failures and I just keep getting back up. And that's why I'm where I'm at today. And I'm, I love being an yeah. entrepreneur. And I love getting to know other entrepreneurs, especially spiritual ones that who recognize that we all have these amazing gifts and we can all tap into them. And it just makes life a little bit easier. It makes it a little <laughs> bit more tolerable for the harder times. And so I'm just so excited that, you know, that that you and all the other people that you're working with are providing these amazing opportunities for other people to get a hold of this information through your apps, through your through the different courses you offer and the books you write. And this, yeah. is, this is why you were put here. And my last question is, I know that you've been following a destiny for a long time. You've been following this inner pulling to lead you in these little spiritual breadcrumbs you've been picking up and following along the way to lead you where you're going. Do you feel like you have, do you feel like you've accomplished like you're where you need to be right now? Or do you feel, still feel like spirit, God, your higher self, whoever you want to call it, you feel like they're still guiding you to bigger places and more places. Oh. Like, when will you ever be content? <laughs> when will you stop? Are you going to keep on going? Like share with us what your plans are and what you feel as far as like where you're going, what your destiny is. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm content in the fact that I will never quit doing what I do. And <laughs> yes. the reason I say that is, is when I started training, I knew it was my passion and I did. And this sounds strange for some people, but I did overlive my passion. Mm-hmm. And in the first four and a half years I was training, I was doing 40 to 50 full-on trainings a year. And that was just in North America. And then we started going into Asia. I was only at home on average two days a month. The reason it worked is because my wife was with me almost all the time, but I got burnt out. And so there is such a thing as overliving your passion. And so I decided I had to take a year off because I was burnt out. And that year turned into three and a half years. Because also I had not been taking care of myself on the stage. So I herniated a disc and I went through mm-hmm. two back surgeries during that time. And I was off to, before we started recording, I was mentioning to you guys, there was something that told me that I had to be on this path. And I still remember the day, it was August 10th of 2010. I was into my hiatus and the universe had been going, Robert, you said you're taking a year off. It's been more <laughs> than a year. Get back training. And yes. I, but I was now comfortable. I'm back into my old negative habits. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going through back surgeries. Like I had all these reasons and excuses. And so two years in, all of a sudden my mother and father-in-law, who at the time lived across the street and seven doors up, they called me and said, hey, we're having a problem with the TV. Would you be able to come up and help us out? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I walk out the door and there's a playground across from our house and there's about 30 kids in there. I walk across, go up the street, help them out. I'm coming back down the street and I'm about to cross from the sidewalk onto across the street to our driveway when this couple come walking along and they're walking a dog, a big bull mastiff. And I love animals. I've got a whole 
a group of animals here. And so I said, hey, is she friendly? And they looked at me and they said, no, she's not. We just rescued her. We're rehabilitating her. So I stayed where I was and they stayed where they were and we're talking for a bit. And eventually I knelt down and they slowly brought her to me and I let her smell my hand and I was petting her head, no problem, petting her neck, no problem. But all of a sudden, the moment I went to stand up, she lunged for my throat. And from the motion of standing, my chin naturally dropped. So instead of getting my throat, she got my chin. And she's now hanging off my chin and she's trying to drag me to the ground. I'm instantly in shock. And the only thing in my mind is if she gets me to the ground, I'm done. So I stand up and she's now hanging off my jaw. And the guy actually had to physically pry her jaws off. And now it's taking him and his wife, both of them hold her back and she's lunging back at me. Blood all over the place. Now the only thought in my head is there's a whole playground of kids out there. I said, look... I live right there. Just get her out of here. So they start dragging her up the street and I'm walking across. I'm going out my driveway, blood just dripping like crazy. And as I'm about to go into the door, also my mind goes, if I get blood in the house, my wife's going to kill me. <laughs> it's silly where your mind goes when you're in right. shock. Right. I open yes, the door. Yeah, I open the door and I think I calmly call for my wife, but it was so calm. She comes running and she sees the blood. She's like, what happened? I said, I got attacked by a dog. So she got a towel. She got it to my chin to stop the bleeding. And I'm now safe. I'm past mm-hmm. a fight or flight. So I'm safe. Mm-hmm. So I start to uh-huh. do one of these and I'm about to faint. And my wife knows that if I go down, she can't get me to the hospital. So she looks at me. She goes into what we call her warrior mode. She looks at me and she sees me starting to wild. And she looks and goes, don't you faint. Get to that car. And I'm like, yes, dear. <laughs> and when we get to the hospital, if you know anything about dog bites, they don't want to seal up a dog wound because they want any bacteria to flush out. So three puncture wounds under my goatee, they just cleaned them up and let them keep flowing. But the dog had ripped through my chin here and it took nine stitches to, mm. to seal that up. Now, here's my wife. I'll give you an example of her. She's watching the, the doctor do the stitching and he had cut some skin because it was jagging and, and he started to stitch and she goes, doctor, my wife is a speaker. So if you could make it as pretty as possible, so it's not a big <laughs> scar. He undid mm-hmm. the stitches three times <laughs> to make it look oh as God. pretty as he could. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, oh. So in that moment of the dog attack, my mind could have gone, why the did that happen to me? Or right. it could go, why did that happen to me? And the moment I took a deep breath and I put a different energy to it, all of a sudden a universal principle came to my mind that I've taught students all over the world that says that which is not utilized is eliminated. One inch further, it would have got my jugular and me and my gift would have been gone. And all of a sudden in that moment, I knew I had to train again. I didn't have to train financially because we had taken care of that, but I had to train because it was my gift. And it was in that moment, I made the decision. I don't care for the rest of my life. I'm going to keep imparting knowledge and helping people any way I can. And that's, and I'm a big believer in the law of attraction, the way the universe works. The moment I made the decision, all of a sudden within two weeks, I was getting a phone call asking me to come out of retirement, asking me to start <laughs> training again. And it still did take a year and a half to fully come out of retirement because I was going through recovery from back surgeries and that. And I knew I would not put my body through that again. So I wanted more of that balance. And so I m- created the reality that allowed me to live my passion, have the balance, and still keep doing what I'm meant to do on this planet. I'm, I'm, it doesn't happen too often where I become speechless, mm-hmm. but that story made me speechless and very motivated <laughs> and inspired at the same time. And uh, wow, I love dogs myself, but I got attacked as a do- by a dog as a little kid. It was my ankles. 
not my jugular almost. And so that's a, a pretty profound life change. It's, it's a scary experience, but it definitely had you face a mirror and say, okay, I have so yeah. much more living to do. And there's a reason yeah. that there's a re I believe there's a reason that I think everything happens. There's a learning lesson behind every experience and it's all about how you take it and how you, in, you impart that in your life. And I just feel like that's amazing. Yeah. That, that experience, something you could have been very negative about it. You could have been angry. There could have been so many other emotions that you were like dwelling on and feeling, and you turned it into a positive and you made it. And not only that, but you're, I know you don't do it to help yourself because that's not why a lot of us are in the work we do. We do it to help other people, but it always comes back. Your generosity always comes back. Your selflessness yes. comes back. Your motivation to get yeah, back in absolutely. there and say, you know what? I could be hanging out with my wife every day on my front porch watching Mastiffs walk by, but I'm going to put everything that I've learned in and keep doing it. And I, so, so are you afraid of dogs now or have you forgiven that or it, do you have fear? No, you know, it, I've always, we've always had little dogs. So I've never had an issue with the little dogs. There was a, about two years where, I just felt my energy shifting around larger dogs and, and I would on purpose, cause knowing my energy transfers to them, I didn't want to put them in any position. So I, until I was able to let it go on my own. And now like we just, because we have a beautiful acreage, we'd always said, we're not going to get a big dog until we have an acreage for the dog to run on and have space. And so we actually now have a 14 week old golden or sorry, a four and a half month old golden retriever. <laughs> and then we of course got our little guy that's three pounds as well. Who's his, the big brother, but he's, cause he's five weeks older than her, <laughs> but he's only three pounds. And so I, I love animals of all sizes and, and I'm always, I'm very aware and self-conscious of it. And even to the point where we knew it wasn't the dog's fault. Mm -hmm. And so I never put a blame to the dog and never put that energy. We knew it was the owner's fault. And when we learned more about the guy, we totally got why the dog was the way it was. And so I didn't even put that negative energy towards it. And it was interesting cause it was about a year after I came out of retirement and I still had quite the scar on my chin and I was in Asia and one of my students comes up after I'd shared the story and he said, Robert, look, I'm a plastic surgeon and I would love as a gift. Let me take care of that. And so you won't even see a scar. You won't even notice it. And I looked at him and said, respectfully, I appreciate it, but no. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, are you kidding me? He said, anytime I get comfortable and think of quitting again, I just have to touch the spot when I'm shaving. <laughs> mm -hmm. I have to be careful to go over it. I said, and that's a reminder that universe, I do not need any more lessons like that. I got the message. <laughs> <laughs> Loud and clear. I'm going to keep on going. Keep on checking. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're all running low on time, Robert, but I have to say, anytime <laughs> we have a conversation, <laughs> Anytime we have a conversation, it's always one of those things that I know I'll be talking about for the next several months after this. So I have to say, just having you on has been refreshing for us. And I'm really happy you got to meet Megan too, because I've been talking about you since last year and different stories I bring up from just experiences and stuff with the things we, we had talked about previously. And it's just really exciting to be able to share you with our new audience. And I, I know that you have big things coming up for yourself and it's going to be worldwide, the stuff you're going to be doing, and there's a lot of success coming your way. And so. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. And look, anytime you ever want me back, you just have to ask. I love the energy that you guys put across and the way that you're connecting with people. Since you already have Dr. Travis T. Fox, Travis Fox coming on, in a, <laughs> that you're going to be doing. 
we're going to give you that trifecta. I'm going to get Aaron connected with you as well. Thank you. And there's another amazing young gentleman. He's out of Miami, one of my mentoring students who very successful. As he says, he's a God-made millionaire, and he would be powerful, powerful guest for you as well. I think your audience you. would get a lot from him because he's all about yeah. service and how to help people. Yep. Love that. We really appreciate yeah. it. We love you Have thinking fun. of that. Thank you. Definitely. My pleasure. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing all this enlightenment with us. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so excited. And I know our guests are going to be so excited to be able to download your book and learn about your courses and possibly even if they do that, get that 20 minute one-on-one with you. So we'll be linking yeah. all that to linking all of that to the show notes. So everybody get ready. It's going to be an exciting ride. (laughs) I want to go walk on the coals. I'm ready to go walk on the hot. We will. I I want to do that too. That's a life. That's like a life bucket thing. That's you just got to do it. Now that we know somebody who knows how to teach it. uh, And I grew up in Florida walking on the hot cement all day. (laughs) I pretty much am like, I'm like Fred Fred Flintstone feet anyway, when it comes to that, I'm very, (laughs) I'll give you a fun (laughs) fact. Yeah, you know, a fun fact about that is one of my brother-in-laws, who I actually taught to do the firewalk his first time, he actually now holds the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest <laughs> firewalk in the world. He's broke the record several <laughs> times his own. Yeah, he when he <laughs> broke it, it was like about 197 feet. He's now got it up to over 500 feet. And for people who wonder if it's real, for Guinness, because we were his first fire masters, the first time he broke it, so we knew all the rules Guinness had to go by the coals have to be between 15 and 1700 degrees Fahrenheit to qualify. Oh my god. And so, yeah, it's, it is, that's how powerful your mind is. It and, really you know, is. and um, he learned and, that in your class. The first time he did it was yeah, in yeah. your course. Amazing. So <laughs> yeah. you guys listening, that's someone comes to your class and is setting Guinness book world records. And I'm sure <laughs> if we talked to him, it encouraged him to set more records or to do more things. Cause when you accomplish something like that in your life, that seems so like, just unfeasible, <laughs> but for something that seems like impossible to do, and then you overcome something like that, then anything is possible. It just takes that breaking that the fear down and getting through that. And that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So inspiring. Break it down. Right. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Cool. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. I was going to say, Dr. Fox, I'm going to say, we appreciate you, Robert. And uh, thank you so much. And Megan, I'm just excited about being able to share this information with our audience and everything. And so thank you. Thanks for having me, you too. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. We'll see you again soon for sure. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow Psychic Visions Podcast on Instagram. Psychic Visions Podcast is a production of Electrocast Media. Our executive producers are Mark Netter and Peter Rafelson. If you like our show and enjoy what you hear, please subscribe and give us a rating wherever you enjoy podcasts. And always remember, harness your inner power. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? 
If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us, from renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.